Welcome to Southside Presbyterian Church. The following sermon was taken from our Sunday gathering. If you'd like to find out more, or if we can help you on your journey in faith, head to our website, www.southsidepc.org, or visit us any Sunday morning at 9am. Ben's going to be speaking to us shortly. He's going to be speaking to us from Ephesians chapter 4, from verse 1. And I'm going to read it for you now. Ephesians chapter 4, reading from verse 1. As a prisoner for the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit Through the bond of peace, there is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ appointed it. This is why it says, when he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. What does he ascended mean except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions? He who descended is the one who ascended higher than all of the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, the teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. And then we'll dig into it. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you for the joy that it is to come before you now. Father, thank you for the comfort that it is to know that you are here with us. And we pray, Lord, that right now you would speak to us. We pray that whatever's going on in our heart, that Lord, you would enable us and allow us to still hear your words and to still be transformed by all that you are and all that you've done for us. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, if you're looking for something to do in January, there are lots of volunteering opportunities in our area. This week, I discovered this uh, website. So if you know the seek.com.au guys who have jobs in the area, they have another website called volunteer.com.au. And you can go and find out all the opportunities. Now, I must admit that I went this week trying to find the most obscure volunteering opportunities in our area. I thought this will be funny. You know, we'll find some random ones. But unfortunately for me, pretty much all of the ones on the website that I could see actually were driven by a pretty good reason. You know, I searched through, I reckon, about 50 different opportunities across five pages, and over and over again, you see not just what the opportunity is, but why you would do that in the first place. So you've got, like, op shop. You can volunteer in an op shop, which might be good. You can get your retro gear, but you're also helping raise money for the salvos so they can help do social welfare stuff. You can volunteer by doing food deliveries for those who are in emergency situations, or even furniture deliveries if you've got a ute, you could use that for emergency situations. There's opportunities just to hang out with people, both men and women. There's lots of opportunities like this. And one by one, I was reminded of the fact that there are lots of opportunities around us that aren't just telling you what to do, but why you could do it as well. And it's important when you're going to volunteer your time that you know the why of it. 
It's important when you start out to volunteer. It's important to keep you volunteering. And it's important whether you're at an op shop or an emergency delivery or just hanging out with someone. And of course, that's important here at church. And so this morning, we actually wanted to stop for a moment and ask this question, why would anyone serve at church? Why would anyone volunteer at a place like this? Why would they start and why would they continue? Well, what we're going to do today is look at this from Ephesians chapter 4, and we're going to see in this passage there's three reasons for us to volunteer, but I do just want to say up front, we're going to do something a little bit different today. I'm going to speak for a little bit these three reasons we're going to see from the Bible, and then I'm going to invite Josh and Adriana up, and we're going to have an interview with them to see how this kind of plays out for them. That's where we're going today. But let's start with the Bible, because we see the first reason why anyone would volunteer in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1. And what we see here is the reason you would volunteer is because it's a response. So have a look. Verse 1 of chapter 4, it says this, As a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling that you have received. So why would anyone volunteer? Well, the first reason we see here is because it's a response to what God has done here. Do you see that in His language there? Live a life worthy of the calling that you've received. Right? The idea here is that your response is proportionate to what you've been given, okay? That's the idea here, that, you, that how you respond is proportionate or reactionary to the gift that you've been given. Now, I know that we're jumping in here at the, the chapter 4 of Ephesians, but the first three, chapter, uh, three chapters of this book are all about what God has given you, okay? So if you were to read it, it's this beautiful, powerful encounter with God where God has entered into our world to give people a gift, the gift of life. Right in the first three chapters, we see this. God is the loving creator of the world. Humanity have rejected against God. We've rebelled against Him. And so we deserve the justice of God. All humanity deserve the wrath of God. And so we would be dead in our sins, except that God, who is rich in grace and mercy, didn't let that be the end of the story. Jesus entered into our world, died on a cross, rose again, and now offers this free gift of life. You know, there's this famous verse in chapter 2 that captures this in verse 8 and 9. It says this, For it is by grace you have been saved, through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It's the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. And so what Paul is talking about in these first three chapters is the gift that you've been given, the calling that you have, that you don't have to die. But there's a hope of life, and it's grounded in the gift of God seen in Jesus in His death and resurrection. Then you get to chapter 4, and chapter 4 verse 1 says, okay, now live a life worthy of this calling. Live a life that's reactionary or proportionate to the gift that you've been given. Your response is supposed to match the gift. Now, we get this idea, okay? We do get the idea that a response matches the gift, and I think particularly kids, you'll get this idea, Um, because if you've been, if you've had Christmas or a birthday recently, and you've been given money, You'll know what I'm talking about, okay? So kids particularly, but adults, you can think about this for when you were a kid. There is a difference between a 10-cent gift and a $100 gift, okay? So let's, let's imagine it's your birthday and your grandparents give you a card and it says, Dear Ben, we love you so much. No, okay, that we do. But um, there's your card and you open it up and you're excited because you don't have a gift, you don't have the box or whatever, it's just a card, so you know this is money and you open it up and there is a 10 cent coin and it just says, happy birthday. Now, what are you doing with that? What's your response to that? 
I don't reckon you're lasting five minutes before that coin has disappeared and you have no recollection of where that coin is. Okay, but what if you open that card and there's two crisp $50 notes? What's your reaction going to be then? It's different, isn't it? Your response is proportionate to your gift because then you're planning. Right? What's this going to buy you? Is it going to buy you five remote control robots? Is it going to buy... Maybe this is the money you needed to get that switch, you know, the Nintendo switch we're talking about here. Or maybe you're saving for something else. But, but you see, don't you, your response is proportionate to the gift that you've been given. Now, here in chapter 4 of Ephesians, Paul says, make sure your response is proportionate to the gift that you've been given. Live a life worthy of the calling. And it's important that we see this here, because sometimes it's possible to respond to the gift of grace as if it's a 10-cent coin. It is. Right? Sometimes we, we take the gift, but day to day, it doesn't actually affect our life. Right? How many days do we just live our life where we forget that God is even there, or He exists, or He's even given us something? Our response can make the gift of Jesus look cheap. But Paul is urging us here. He's saying, hey, make sure your response matches the gift that you've been given, because it's not a cheap gift. It costs so much. Jesus' death on the cross is what it costs, and this gift is valuable, This is the hope of eternal life. This is peace with God right here and right now. And so it's worth asking this question just for a moment here this morning. As you think about your life, how does it reflect the gift of Jesus? You know, day to day, are we living a life that kind of suggests that the gift that we've got is cheap? Or is our life day to day reflective that what we've been called to, what we've been given is valuable? And of course, what we see here is this is not just outside of church, this is in church as well. And it's here that we begin to see why anyone would serve. It's because this is a response to what Jesus has given us. So number one, the first reason why anyone would serve is because it's a response. As we keep reading though, we see the second reason why anyone would respond, it's because it's our responsibility. Now, I want you to think about this. If you think about your calling or your faith, do you think about your individual faith, or do you think about the community that you belong to? Do you think, when you think your faith, individual faith or community, for me it's individual every single time, right? That's where I go, and I think it's, it's that right way, because, you know, we do live in an individualistic society, but also sin at its heart is selfish, right? Sin puts me at the center of my world, where everything revolves around me, But it is quite interesting here that when Paul is speaking about your calling, he's not speaking about an individual thing. In fact, what we're about to see is that if you're called to Jesus, if you believe in Jesus, instantly you are connected into a community. Right? Notice this as we see this from verse 2. It says this. So he's just said, verse 1, live a life worthy of the the calling you've received. Then verse 2, be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. And then here it is, verse 4, there is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. What's the second reason? Why, why would anyone serve? The second reason is because it's our responsibility. But do you notice here, he's not saying when you're saved, when you're called to Jesus, you're saved by yourself, right? You're not an island where you're saved, you do whatever you want to do, and then you die and you get to go to heaven. That's not how it works. When we're saved, when we're called, we are instantly connected into God's body. There is one body, 
one spirit, one God over all. Instantly, you belong to a community, whether you like it or not, right? If we belong to Jesus, we belong, we're connected into the community of believers. That's just the way it works. In fact, um, it's interesting, church, a little bit of Greek nerdy stuff, it means ecclesia. Uh, let's not imagine the Greek word because it's escaped me for a moment. I'm not that much of a nerd, you know what I mean? Like I'm nerdy, but anyway, sorry. Okay, the word church literally means called out ones. Okay, so if we're talking about your calling, the gathering of God's people is the called out ones. So if you belong to Jesus, you belong to the church. Now, again, let's think about this because I wonder if this is our understanding of what church is. Okay, because, uh, you know, you might have heard this. You might have even said this. Sometimes people say this line, you can be a Christian, but you don't have to go to church. Have you ever heard that or said that? Or maybe you've framed it the other way. You don't have to go to church to be a Christian. Now, on the one hand, that's true, right? We just saw in chapter 2 of Ephesians, it's by grace you're saved, not by your works. So if church is your works, if this is you going, hey, look, God, I've gone to church, save me. God says you're not saved by your works, you're saved by the gift of God, okay? So on the one hand, you don't have to go to church to be a Christian. However, on the other hand, we do have to grasp what he's saying here and the importance of church. So I think it's more like this. Um, Elizabeth and I have been married for a little while now, and early on in our relationship, I wanted a partner, but I also wanted to do the things single Ben used to do. Okay, so I I wanted a partner, I wanted the joys of that, but I didn't really get the responsibility of that, so I still wanted single Ben stuff. So there's this moment where early on in our relationship, Elizabeth and her friend had organized me and my friend to go to a gig, and they had paid for all of the tickets and everything, and it was a Friday night, and that week it had been raining. And so it was raining Friday, and uh, Elizabeth said, sent me this text and just said, hey, if you don't want to come, you don't have to come. It was a test that I failed because that night, me and my mates saw that there was a NRL semi-final on between the Gold Coast Titans and the New Zealand Warriors, two teams that I could care less about, but it was on. And so we stayed home and watched the footy instead of going to this gig. Now, we do joke about this every year, but I, I wanted a relationship, but I didn't really want the responsibility of that relationship. Now, by Elizabeth's grace and God's grace, we've moved past that. I've grown, we got married, and I feel like I'm a little bit better in this area than I was. But let, let's think about it, okay? Because technically, when it comes to a marriage, I don't have to be around Elizabeth to be married, okay? So, like, when I go to work, we're still married, okay? And when Elizabeth goes out with Poppy, we're still married, Technically, we don't have to be together when we're married. However, if I get the responsibility of marriage, it's my responsibility, but not just responsibility, it's my joy, my privilege, and for the good of me and our marriage, I'll do everything I can to hang out with her. Okay, so so you don't have to go to church to be a Christian, just like you don't have to be married and hang out with your spouse. But for the good of a marriage, a spouse pursues that, understands the responsibility, the joy, the privilege, and that it's good for the marriage to hang out with them, just like here at church. You don't have to be here, but it's our responsibility, and it's our privilege, and our pleasure, and our joy, and for the good of us, and for the good of our church, we pursue hanging out together. 
That's kind of the idea of, of the nature of what he's talking about. You're not one. There is one body, one community. We're connected together. So again, let, let me ask you this question. Do you think about church like this? Is this your picture of the, the body that when we gather together, do you value this place? Do you value meeting with other people? Or do you find yourself pursuing reasons not to be here? You know, that it's an easy excuse to get us away from Sunday mornings or away from gathering midweek. You see, God here is saying there is a responsibility that we have to each other, to the people around us. And when we're thinking about not just gathering and not just our picture of church, but serving, of course, this plays into it as well. It's our responsibility because there's one body. Okay, so why would you serve? Number one, response. Number two, responsibility. But there's one more reason, and it's because you've got a role to play. So let's keep reading. This is kind of the big point of these verses here for Paul. And we see this in verse 7. You've got a role to play. So he says this, But to each one of us grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. That is why it says, When he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. What does he ascended mean? except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions. He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. And then here it is, verse 11. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. So why would you serve? Well, there is a role for you to play here. Now, I know there's a little bit going on in this passage, but essentially what he's getting at is this idea in this first opening verses, Jesus descended, he came to earth, he died, he rose again, he ascended into heaven, and when he did, he gave his people gifts. That's the idea that we see. And, and those gifts are their ability to serve each other so that they can build each other up to maturity. Now, we're going to talk about maturity next week. God willing, if plans don't change from verse 14 to 16, we'll be talking about maturity then. But the point here is more service. That's the idea. You've got a gift. And, and you see what he's saying here. He's saying everyone in the church has a role to play. Now, again, let's consider this and think about this. Because all of us, as we came to church today, we all have a model of ministry that we think church should operate like. Okay? All of us do have a picture of how this place should run. However, I think often we base the model of ministry more on our experience growing up and even, I think, cultural influences from outside the church rather than what the Bible actually says, right? So, um, you know, this is my experience growing up. Sometimes we can have the model of ministry where the pastor gets paid and so it's the pastor's job to do it all. Um, you know, and this is, I experienced this a bit growing up. You know, if you've ever heard lines like, I just want the pastor to come and visit or it's the pastor's job to to turn up here. You know, if you've been to a church where the pastor does everything, you know, shakes your hand at the front door and then somehow made his way to the guitar in the, you didn't see that happen, but then they're there and then all of a sudden they're doing the sermon and then they're playing the last song and then they're shaking your hand on the way out. Or, or the, the church where they've just got their fingerprints over everything. You know, in some ways the model of ministry is tennis, you know, since that's the flavor of the moment. Uh, we pay the pastor to be the guy in the middle who contributes and the rest of the people are in the stands consuming what the pastor contributes. Now, I wonder if this is the model of ministry that you think this is how church should operate. The problem, though, with this model of ministry is that, A, 
we wouldn't be effective if that was it, right? No one wants Ross playing the piano or me singing. No one wants that. So it wouldn't be effective, but not only that, more importantly than that, that's not the model that we get from the Bible. What do we see from the Bible? What's the model that he gives us here? Okay, so he says, Christ himself gave apostles, uh, uh, here it is, apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, the teachers. So they're the guys that do the teaching stuff. But what, what did Christ give them? He gave them, you gave the church those guys to do what? To equip his people for works of service, so that the body of Christ may be built up. So the picture is not one contributor and a bunch of consumers. The picture is you got the teachers who help everyone else contribute. So the model of church then becomes not one contributor and a bunch of consumers, but a bunch of contributors contributing to each other to help each other be built up. Now, this model of church is a beautiful model. It's actually such an amazing picture of church, if we could see this and grasp this, because this is one where we're not just rocking up each Sunday asking, what's the pastor going to give me to consume today, but where everyone's rocking up going, how can I contribute? How can I help those people around me? This model of ministry is one where everyone's turning up going, where where can I fit? Where's my role to play? What can I give? It's a model of ministry where where church, where we rock up and we know that if we share our burdens with people, our worries, our hurts, they're not just going to pass that on to the pastor, but they're actually going to step in going, how can I help? How can I pray? How can I guide you and build you up in this moment? It's a model of church, as Ross said before, when we notice people aren't sitting around us or when we notice someone hasn't been in in church for a while, we're not just going, when's the pastor going to get onto them? but going, okay, I'm going to push in here. I'm going to see where they're at and help them to build them up. This model of church is so much more effective. It's the biblical model of church, and it's a beautiful vision of what church could be, where everyone is rocking up going, how can I play my role? So when we think about this, why would anyone serve? You see these three reasons. Here's the why. It's not just what to serve. It's the why. It's a response to the calling. It's a responsibility to each other. And then it's because we have a role to play. Now, let's ask the question, okay, so what does this look like practically then for us? How do we step into this? Or how do we participate in this? Well, as I said at the start, we're going to do something a little bit different this morning. So, in a second, I'm going to invite Josh and Adriana up. And the reason I'm going to invite them up is because they're great but also because Josh this year is going to serve at Southside full-time on the ministry team here at church, but he's not going to be paid to do that. And that in itself is encouraging, but instead of me telling the story, I'm going to invite them up to tell the story. So can we give them a round of applause? All right, grab a stool as well. And... I know this is like nearly your first time on stage in this capacity, so the applause is for that. All right, you can take your mask off. We're like four meters apart, so it's good. Okay, so we want to hear from you guys and your story. So let's just begin quickly with, can you tell us your story? So Josh, you got the mic, so you can start. In, you got 30 seconds or less to tell us your story. All right, 30 seconds. Um, well, I always knew about God from when I was young. Uh, when I was in my late teens, I ignored him a lot and, and sort of honestly really ran away from him. Um, but yeah, now back in adulthood, we've I've sort of found him again or he's found me and just decided to actually commit and go, yeah, put everything into it. So <laughs> yeah. 
That's, awesome. that's basically me. Yeah. yeah, that's great. All right, Adriana, 30 seconds or less. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, very similar story. Um, raised Catholic, um, believed in God, I think basically because adults told you that God was real. Um, become a teenager, get out to the secular world, get out of that Christian bubble, um, doubts start creeping in. And I think now we look back and really it was excuses. Um, and I just sort of stopped trusting in God and thought I could trust in myself. Um, went out to the world looking for, looking to earn that perfect love that is only through God and cannot be earned. So, yeah, it's just been a journey of, I think, really the death of this yourself. Yeah. Mm. Wow, that's so good. Okay, awesome. And you, so thanks for sharing. That's awesome. Uh, now, you guys have been here for about three years. Yeah. So tell us how you've been involved in the last three years at Southside. Um, well, the first thing we really got involved in was growth group. Uh, and then from there, I, I got involved in kids' church. So last year, for the second half of the year, I've been in there helping out as much as I can. Um, and we also just uh, finished our first alpha course and volunteering for that. So, nice. yeah. Awesome. And I don't know, can you add anything to that, Adriana? I think um, yeah, it's definitely was just like a step-by-step -step journey. We definitely didn't jump right in. Um, again, in fact, coming to church, not really getting involved, just coming for the sermon, not really hanging around afterwards. Um, um, yeah, and then just, again, just trusting. When opportunities came up, would we like to join a growth group? Sure, yes, let's do that. Um, yeah, come along to the Alpha course. It, we, actually, we went to the Life course first. Um, and yeah, just yeah, just went on from there. Yeah, nice. You can hold on to it, Adriana. I'll ask you this next one oh, first. No. So, what have you enjoyed most about serving over the last few years? I think just seeing God changing me and changing my heart. Um, being so encouraged by others and their generosity and servant hearts as well. Um, again, for me, my big journey has been just trying to, f trying to sort of come to terms with it's not what I do, but the fact that God still does bring you into it, make you a part of it, yeah, it's just really lovely. Yeah. yeah that's so good. Thanks. Do you want to add to that, Josh? What have you enjoyed in the last few years? Um, well, I guess when I was younger, um, my parents did the right thing of encouraging me to serve at church. And I never really felt I was getting anything out of it. But I think it's because I was only doing it as an obligation. Mm. Um, but once we sort of decided to do it ourselves, it's, it's all of a sudden that's what I've been missing. That's that relationship that I haven't felt, you know. And, and yeah, and, and being there, serving not only lets you lets you, you know, find joy in that and give that to God, but you're, you're where his work's happening and you get to see it happening and yeah. it's just so encouraging. So Yeah, it's such a good point that you raise. You know, often we think of serving as in like what I'm giving, but there's so much that we get out of serving just by being a part of it. Definitely. Yeah, that's awesome. Okay, so what's going to change for you guys this year or maybe in the next two years? Um, really just a lot busier. Uh, um, I haven't worked for a while, so I've, I've had a pretty extended holiday, so that's going to change. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. I'm really looking forward to just finding out, like you were saying before, what ministry is, you know, not according to what I think it is, but 
what God says it should be. Yeah. And uh, just eager to help out and, and continue the growth in that relationship. And yeah. yeah. Nice. Adriana, do you want to add anything to that? Um, yeah, again, just really busy. Um, I'm a nurse in emergency, so as you can imagine, been very busy. Mm. Um, I also will hopefully be helping out in kids' church this year. Yeah. So, um, and again, that's just um, just trust. Yeah, it's just a big, big yeah. journey of trust. And um, yeah, yeah, awesome. Okay, last question for you guys. So, when we first, so what you're doing is a, it's called MTS. It's a training scheme I believe is the S of that and uh, the idea is you spend two years kind of doing an apprenticeship with church and so we talked about um, kind of mid last year I believe the idea of a paid MTS position for you guys as the year went on we uh, had some financial issues and all of that sort of stuff and then we began to realize that there'd be no money to do the MTS but you still thought I want to do it so talk us through that process for you guys and some of the thoughts that you had in still stepping into that role despite the money not being? Uh, in a weird way, it was kind of a, a massive blessing uh, to not have the money at first. Um, when, when I first heard about the scheme, I thought that sounds great. It's a great idea and, and you know, we don't really need any more money at the moment. So it sounded right. And then I heard about the money and I was like, oh, that's that's going to be fun and and tried to not make that the focus but it's kind of hard to keep out of your head sometimes when you you know you know a big payday is coming your way and yeah i guess i'm just really grateful that god took that away so that i can know that i do want to do it not just for the money but just for god so yeah oh wow that's so good adriana you want to add anything um yeah i've just god's put us in a position um where we have managed okay on the one income through the grace of you know our friends and family obviously helping us out and um yeah we've just always found that god has provided um yeah and we just we knew that this the mts was we really felt that that was the journey god wanted us on and has been preparing us for so i I just don't see that as a roadblock now so yeah that's so good. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming up on stage today. Now, I just want to say, while you guys are on stage, if you haven't met Josh or Adriana yet, I teed them up this week that over the next month, we would just keep meeting them. So you've got that permission to interrupt whatever conversation they're in and just introduce yourself to them. But these guys are awesome. So if you haven't met them, please do meet them over the next little bit. But you guys can go and have a seat. But thank you again. If we can give them a round of applause for coming up on stage, because I know it's difficult for your first time. And I think, I dare say the next time you come up, if it's for a sermon or something like that, you won't get the applause, Josh. So just letting you know, that's a one-time only thing. Now, uh, we are, I do want to like publicly thank these guys over the last few years for the way that they have contributed um, to the life of, of church here at Southside. Particularly, you know, they were part of the Alpha team we ran last year and they were such a blessing to us there. But to also take this moment to recognize, you know, the stuff that we've been talking about today The church that we are in this building, but as a people, has been built by us contributing. You know, that you here today have probably contributed to the life of Southside. Maybe it's been over the last 20 years, or the last 10 years, or the last 10 days, but maybe you've contributed in some way. And publicly, I just want to say thank you for that. Thank you for the way that you have given your time, your energy, your money, yourself 
to what God is doing here at church because we would not be in the position that we would be in without you. So thank you for that. But also just wanted to give a chance now to reflect on the next season of our life because maybe you haven't yet stepped into serving here at Southside. Maybe you've had a break for a little while and you want to push back in. But just wanted to give you an actual step to take. Uh, on the back of your service sheet, there's a QR code there that just lets us know you'd like to have a conversation. That's pretty much all that it is. And then we'd love to get in touch with you to have a conversation to see where you're at and where we could help you fit and belong and play your part here at Southside. But as we do and as we finish up the church service today, we remember that as we serve here at church, it's not just about what we're doing. It's about the reasons why we're doing it as well. And we do this, we serve here at church in response to what God has done for us in Jesus, because it's our responsibility to each other and because we have a role to play. So let's leave that as the motivation, the driver, as we pray now and as we finish up our service to remember why we do this, not just what we're doing. So let's pray and then we'll sing together. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for all that you've done for us in Jesus. Thank you for the gift that we have that is not a cheap gift. Jesus, you gave everything for us. We pray that our response would match the gift and that you would give us this grace to live our whole lives for you and to serve you, particularly here at church, to help build each other up. We pray this in Jesus' name.